Is this the book that was popular once? Okay, <laughs> let me read them. And I borrowed the stories of Sahara, and I couldn't stop reading it. Short stories are great because they're short stories. Wow, have you heard something like that before? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'll... the sky is blue because it's blue. Wow. Hi, welcome to the Probably Not Legit podcast. I'm your dearest host, Alia, and I'm your other dearest host, Zachary. Wow! Can there be two dearest hosts? I guess you can, because we're inventing new words every day. I don't see why and how you can have two dearest hosts. Well, you're. You're my dearest, and you're my dearest. Oh, so and then our listeners vomiting while they're <laughs> listening to this one. <laughs> yeah, so feeling pretty good. This is the last day of the tomb sweeping holiday. How was your holiday? The holiday was it was good for the most part. But on Saturday, I had work on Saturday, which is pretty common to as a work makeup day. So it was a fairly long week, but because the students had like a science fair on Saturday, there wasn't any actual teaching involved. It was more just, um, sorry, I said um. <laughs> I'm, I have I'm, to edit that out. I'm getting uh, better at picking up my ums. I think now that you pointed that out, but the it was more just behavior control and getting the kids to. Follow expectations, and then I was still able to come home on Saturday around five thirty, because there was a car accident, got slowed down, and then Sunday, Sunday we went to this guy, his name is Mowgli,、uh, who's planning a round-the-world bike tour, and he was having like a farewell party, farewell party, farewell gathering. I had met this guy only twice before. He did some work on my bike, and someone else that I know, this guy made a bike for him out of bamboo for the frame. He makes like bamboo、uh, frame bikes, which is really unique and really and really cool. I think interesting story about this guy. He was planning on doing this around the world tour before COVID, and his plan at that time was to start from China and go west. And then at that time he he got as far as Xinjiang, Western China, and then COVID came, and then he came back to Beijing, and he's just been living in Beijing, building his bikes, and now he's planning on starting his round the world tour from California, and he's going to go around California, and the U.S., and then his I think he's planning on going south to Latin America, and then starting from South Africa. And then go north, and then from there I don't know, but I'm looking forward to seeing his videos, hopefully on YouTube. Yeah, he said he's gonna have a YouTube channel so we can keep、uh, ourselves updated. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's so surprising because he's a really small guy, has such a big ambition. Yeah, he is a small guy, but he's obviously very pretty physically strong to bike such a long distance. And he's done that before, and I think he does bike trips pretty normally around here. But that was really cool because also we got a bike 
from him. We got a fancy bag yeah, made from bamboo. Made from bamboo. It's so beautiful to look at. I remember a long time ago, I tried buying Alia a bike and a friend of mine was selling one and it was so expensive. And then I was, I told Alia, I said, hey, I can buy you a bike, you know, and you were just like, ah, the bike shares are fine for me. So I'm actually really happy that you have a bike now, especially one that's so beautiful and so unique. Yeah. And he just gave it to us. Uh, we ended up giving him some donation because I felt like it's too, can't accept it without giving something. But he was basically like, yeah, you can take this one. And it was just, it was like, what? Because it's a beautiful bike. Fixed gear, nice handlebar. Uh, the rim brakes, not the disc, disc brakes, but whatever. It's still beautiful. Mm. And very light. Ride so nice. Yeah. I'm very light. Yeah, the bamboo is so light. It's crazy. Even the metal things on it is, you said it's some kind of carbon fiber. Carbon fiber. Yeah, because he attaches the, the bamboo is attached to the metal parts, like the fork and the, the seat. And the, like the rear axle is attached using like strips of carbon fiber that I think he like wraps around the metal and then connects it in that way to the bamboo. And I think he'll put like some kind of metal into the bamboo to act as like a, to help support the frame, but it's really beautiful. And he, it's like so shiny cause it's like treated with like epoxy and other stuff. So it looks so nice. Mm. But I was kind of sad because there weren't that many people. It was only yeah. like four or five people. There. You would think people like him would have a lot of friends. Yeah. And I, I was expecting because he put it on his WeChat moment. And I was really expecting more people to be there. Um, so I'm really glad I went. Not just for getting some stuff, but just to, just to be there, you know, and, and support him on his trip. Mm. Um, and I, I'm glad I was there too. Because um, it's nice to meet someone like that. In a one in a lifetime. Yeah. And it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Exceptionally beautiful day. And then after that we went to Tracy's and Big Three's place for a little barbecue, which was nice. A little bit interesting. Yeah. Barbecue. <laughs> it's not very traditional barbecue in it. No, it wasn't. It was just a, a couple just the four of us. But Big Three made some some nice uh, vegetables and, and meat on the barbecue. And it was kind of chilly as well. And then he put on this uh, Chinese rock and roll. <laughs> Secondhand Rose, the yeah. band name. Yeah, they, that was cool. A little bit different, but it was fun to, to see it, I think. Mm, I agree. Tracy and Big Three were really into it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've been growing into like really good couple friends now. <laughs> it's like we, we're at their places all the time sometimes. Yeah. It's Recently, we went yeah. to their place not that long ago, a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, and then we were always glad, glad and delighted to go to their places, right? Yeah. And then it's through their places we meet other people. <laughs> I, we have such a small social circle. <laughs> Our circle is expanding through their place. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was nice. Yeah. But that was basically the main things that happened Yeah. the last few Do years. Do you want to go to the Sahara? Well, I would like to at some point. Do you know there is a famous book in the whole China that is called The Stories of Saharas? I've heard of it because you introduced it to me. Yeah. Did you know in the book it talks about this romantic relationship between a Chinese woman and a Spanish guy? Yeah. But, um, What's his name? Oh, his name? 
Oh no, I forgot the guy's name. His name is Jose. Jose. And then the woman's name? Sun Mao. Very good. A plus for Zach. Do you remember any stories from the stories of Sahara's? Uh, there's a couple I remember. Because I asked you to read it out loud to me during the quarantine. Yeah, that was fun. Because they're kind of funny. Some of them are pretty funny and really unusual and just, just so different, you know, just so different. And I think it's something that, I don't know, maybe you can tell, tell, say more. I don't even know where to start because it's, it's Sun Mao is such an interesting character, like person. Mm. And then within, within China, her writings, I think, have really touched so many people. They really, it's not just the style of the writing, it's the content and what she's writing about. Because mm. it's really unusual for, for China, right? To have mm. someone from that time, especially, because she was writing, she was went to Sahara with Jose. This is like the 30s or 40s. I don't remember exactly. That's a very good question. But the book of the stories of Sahara was published in 1976 first published oh, okay but then the story was written over a period of time maybe the 50s then or mm. roughly because it seems like they went to the sahara when it was still like a spanish territory yes like a colony part something. of because yeah a colony mm. and jose was doing some work for the oil company i think or for the government oh you know something I'm uh, I'm not expecting that. Yeah, because I've, I've, I remember some of the stories he was doing. He was like a scuba diver or something. Mm, like he's a diver for sure. Yeah, he was a diver, and Sun Mao was just there. <laughs> Sun Mao was just there. <laughs> she didn't. I don't. I mean, she didn't. Like she wasn't working, right? No, she's a writer. She's a writer, so she was just doing her thing. Okay, Zachary desperately needs some intro of this interesting woman. Yeah? <laughs> I do. Yes. All right. How about let's start with my encounters with this writer so first it was when i was in high school my roommate she was obsessed with sam Mox books especially the stories of sahara in chinese version and then she would spend all her time reading that book over and over even during like chinese lessons and then she lent the book to other people and everyone was reading it and i, I was like oh no i don't want to read this popular stuff <laughs> you know like i was always like that i don't want to read the popular stuff when everyone is reading it. Uh, I don't want to watch the popular TV show when everyone was watching it. I have, I mean, I have changed definitely now. I want to watch the popular thing now. <laughs> yeah, but then I missed my chance to read her book at that time until I, w I went to college. And I had this bookworm period in college that I would go to the library and borrow one book each day. I would spend all day in the library and read them. Uh, and then I bring that book to the boring classes and then read them in the class. One time I was going through the shelves and I saw her book. I was like, is this the book that was popular once? <laughs> okay, let me read them. And I borrowed the stories of Sahara and I couldn't stop reading it. I read that and I even bought like hard copies of it. And later when I had Kindle, I purchased the electronic version of that book in my Kindle. And then when the English version came out, I purchased the English version of that book. So you can see I'm obsessed with it. That's like when I was like totally hooked. I think one thing that interested me at that time when I was in college is this interracial couple that I had no knowledge of. I didn't know people could uh, fall in love when they're from different races. 
right? Wow. <laughs> so it was like the ideal interracial couple that is so strange and novel at that time to me. Um, that's when I was like completely hooked by their stories. But then she wrote so many other books. It's not just the stories of Sahara that's like the most influential one. But then she also has a bunch of other books. I purchased all of her books. Uh, but I don't have them here. I have most of them in my parents' house. I have one book here, The Gentle Knight. So Zachary, your story with Samuel is when I forced you to read them, right? Yeah. So what, what were you like before? Because you know you knew nothing about this writer. You have a specific taste when it comes to reading, right? So when I asked you to read them to me, I feel like at first you were like, um, you know, you don't, didn't want to do it, but then you wanted me to be happy. So that's when you read it to me. But I feel like you got into it after you start reading it, right? Well, I mean, I like short stories are great because they're short stories. Wow. <laughs> Have you heard something like that before? <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, the sky is blue because it's blue. Wow, they're easily digestible, and they always have some kind of a point, and it's always like something interesting happening in those stories. And it's nice because when I was reading it to you, it's not like reading a whole book or reading a half a book. You're reading, you know, five ten pages, and there's always something funny, usually happening in the story, or even if it's something really serious. She finds a way to make it funny somehow. Mm, that's right. Um, so a little bit intro of the book. I've done some study here, guys. Actually studying. She is known as Samal, but it's actually her pen name. Her real name is Echo Chen or Chen Ping. Funny thing is her birth name was Chen Mao Ping, but the character Mao is so hard to write, so she just decided not to use that one and it changed her name to Chen Ping. And then later she got an English name is Echo, like, you know, the Echo, the sound. Yeah. So her English name is Echo. Her Chinese name is Chen Ping. Funny thing is the name Samo is actually from a very famous Chinese comic character. This one, Samo. Oh. Samo means like three hair. Oh. Can Zachary describe this uh, comic character? So it's like a little cartoon boy with three hairs and kind of walking with a downcast face and some kind of a mat that he has attached for his back. What is that? Like a straw or wheat? But uh, it looks like a it's little It's a sleeping bushel. mat. Oh, it's like a, what they call like a... It's a wheat sleeping mat or something. Oh, like some kind of a sleeping pass. This comic, if you're interested, it's about this kid, uh, his journey. He has, he's penniless and he has to go like live in the world as a homeless person. He travels to many places. I feel like maybe Samal, the writer resonates so much with this character Samal because they're both at some point like long and then like traveling around the world uh, I, I have to doubt and guess that maybe that's the reason she chose this pen mm. name yeah that, that sounds about right yeah so here is some intro about Samal uh, that I studied about maybe Zachary can read it to us okay so she was originally from Taiwan um, and she wrote some different styles of writing, like autobiographical and travel writing and also reflective novel. What's a, what's a reflective novel? That's a good question. I am a non-native speaker. I always use this excuse <laughs> when I don't know the word. <laughs> okay. And, and she did um, translations of Spanish language comic strips. I guess that's the Sun Mao comic, maybe. Mm. So that would make sense. 
And she studied philosophy and taught German. I didn't realize that she taught German. Yeah, actually, I, instead of me reading this, I feel like you should read it so we can discuss about it. Yeah. I think that's more, much more interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's what I'm doing. So it's working out. <laughs> I, I don't understand certain things. Okay. In her early life, um, she got educated in Taiwan. And uh, in one of her books, Gentle Night. Nights, what's the... Winrow uh, the Year. Okay. She talked about a Chinese lesson in which her teacher required students to write an essay titled My Dream. Remember you told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> and she wrote about how she wanted to be a scavenger. <laughs> and her teacher was furious and asked her to write the entire essay again. And I remember there's a whole backstory about this. And she was so sad and she didn't want to write the essay, right? And she yeah. was in the class for so long, refusing to write another one. And then in the end, she just she gave in. Yeah. She in the end, she just wrote something just to get out. Like of the she class. said, "I want the her dream is to be a doctor, and she wants to help people." And then, ironically, yeah, in her adult life, she ended up basically being like a scavenger in a way. Yeah, in because she lived. in in the Gentle Night, it's basically her story in this island in Spain. Uh, I forget the name of the island where. She writes for the newspapers and then most of the time after like cooking for Jose and then she would like go on this ad uh, adventures on the island and picking like tr treasures, quote unquote, from the islands. And then one time she found this big giant box, like a metal box, and she felt like, oh my God, that's like a winning a lottery. She brought the, the box back, but then couldn't fit into her door. And then she had to leave it outside. She hired a, a card and then some drivers and then some people to carry it. And eventually she had to leave it outside a door. And then the police came and fined her for leaving a trash outside her door. And later she found out that's like a toilet for like the farmers. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I know. Uh, and then, okay. And then later on uh, in 1967, Sun Mao was a junior in a famous college in Taiwan. Uh, but she hated how the education system worked there. So she decided to go to Spain without knowing any Spanish. Uh, and she spent three months studying Spanish. And then six months later, she was in, uh, accepted in one of the universities in Spain. Soon after that, she met a German. And then they moved to Berlin. Again, she didn't know any German. Uh, she enrolled in a language school there. And after nine months of studying 16 hours a day, what in the world? She earned a qualification to teach German and began studying ceramics. That's an interesting combination. I know. Uh, the fun thing about her experience in Germany is she thought she was in love with this German guy and then they moved there. But then she felt, because she was spending so much time studying, she felt so trapped um, and then the German guy was feeding her like a bread every day or something. Like that's only she had what she had because he wanted to push her to her limits right. to master the language quickly. You know? Yeah. I mean, obviously this German guy is from a really good background, like pretty respected family and stuff, very mm. well educated. But then she felt like suffocated there. Yeah. And then she ended up uh, leaving Germany. And then that guy... I guess the boyfriend, yeah. he went to America, to the University of Illinois. So I think that it's pretty clear that Sun Mao has 
like a kind of a rough journeys when it comes to relationship. Yeah. And most of her relationships ended badly. Yeah. Right. And then, so that was the point. So she was engaged. Oh, at one point she was engaged to a German teacher in Taiwan. Yeah. But then that, that man died from a heart attack. Oh no, that is pretty tragic. And then she decided to go back to Spain again. Oh, so she left. She went to Spain, then went to Germany, then went back to Taiwan, and then left Taiwan and went back to Spain again. There you go. Oh, okay. You got the timeline right. And then that's when she met some. That's when she met Jose. Again. Oh, again. Oh, she met Jose. The first time she was in Spain, she met Jose. Yes. And at that time, he was only eighteen. Wow. How old is Sun Mao? Sun Mao is a lot older than Jose. Yeah. Because she was in college when Jose was eighteen. Yeah, but he fell in love with her, and proposed to her, and then asked her to wait for six years. <laughs> yes, what? that's what he said. He said, "Wait for me for six years until I became a man and marry you." Oh wow! But then, of course, Samuel didn't take it seriously because yeah. it's like from a kid. Yeah, she thought it was a joke. But then, when she when she came back six years later, and then she met Jose again. Uh, Jose still wanted to be with her. Yeah. Um, but then at that time, Sun Mao had also been had that experience in Taiwan where that guy had a heart attack. Yeah. And I guess maybe she wasn't very keen. She was still mourning. Yeah. Jose. Uh, but she, but she, but then she decided to go to the Sahara mm -hmm. on her own. Yeah. But then um, Jose, at that time, he was yeah, he was getting a diving certification. Uh, so he could work as an engineer and doing like underwater work. And then um, Sun Mao left Spain and went to this kind of Spanish controlled area of Western Sahara. Um, but somehow Jose, I guess, knew what Sun Mao was up to. And he got a job in the Sahara as an engineer. Uh, and then somehow they ended up living together. Yeah. So what thing is, I guess, Samo told Jose she was going to go to Sahara. And then after Jose knew about it, he also applied for a job there. And he actually arrived there earlier than Samo did. So when Samo arrived in the Sahara, he was already there. Huh. Oh my God. It's so, it's romantic. so romantic. Yeah, it is so romantic. But then this is like the tragedy oh, of the getting story. there. Because Sun Mao, sorry, because Jose drowned uh, in 1979. And then Sun Mao was basically heartbroken. Um, and then I guess she was 36 at that time. And she never married again. And then she died in 1991 at the age of 47 by suicide. And she hung herself with a pair of silk stockings. The thing that I find so... This is like a romantic tragedy. Yeah. Because she did love the guy so much. That's the thing that is so heartbreaking. That, And from such different backgrounds and such a different, like, experiences. But it's crazy that he also loved her so much. Yeah. And she loved him so much. She loved him so much that she couldn't, she couldn't live without the guy. But that's what's so sad. But I guess she wrote the stories when they were living together in the Sahara. Yeah, that was the the most fun part. Because uh, it's like 
begin. It's kind of like, even though they met six years ago, but then at that time they finally get to know each other,、um, and then living together, getting to know each other characters, what they like or dislike. So that's when their relationship grow, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like basically getting stronger together day by day. They get married. They got married there.、Um, did you remember reading that story? Yeah,、me? I do because it was such a. Like getting married was such a difficulty. <laughs> yes. Like she had to get documents from Taiwan, and then getting married like in the Sahara, like as part of the Spanish government, and she's from Taiwan. It's at that time like dealing with post, like sending things, taking taking how many months to come from Taiwan, and then when they finally got married, they found out like the day of <laughs> when they got the permission from the government. It's like okay, we have to get married like today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there was something with her shoes, like、oh, she、yeah. couldn't find the shoes because the the neighbor, the girls from the neighbors, like borrowed her shoes before and then didn't return them. Didn't return them, but then ended up like having only one out of a pair. Yeah. So she couldn't be able to wear that shoe or something, and then、yeah. she ended up wearing like a flat shoe something. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the thing, like that. Is also that you see in her stories, and the thing that I guess I finally realized about as like a scavenger, because she's always like picking up things, like、mm. like different materials and different things, and to like organize her her life and then her house. But then yeah, but that's the thing to kind of make this colorful house and like ex- rich experience in her life. Yeah, and but it's just such a. Not bizarre, but so unique way of like living in the Sahara and a place that is obviously just open and full of sand, but trying to find ways of bringing in like colorful aspects into your home、mm-hmm. and then also colorful experiences as well. Yeah, I mean, for Zachary, he only knows the tip of the iceberg, a little bit of this woman. But are you? Confident to say that you wanted to read more of her works if they are translated into English in the future. Yeah, so the, there's only one book that's translated. Yes, I think in 2020 or something because it's quite recent、uh, by an American called Mike Fu. He translated or she translated it to Chinese because it's the most popular book. Yeah. Okay. You mean translated from Chinese to English? To English. Yeah. What did I say? To Chinese. Oh wow! I so smart. <laughs> yeah,、um, but I guess how many books? But then how many books has she written, like total? Wow, that's a hard one. I don't know, a couple. But not not just the one though. Not、least. just one, because she's been writing to newspapers and magazines over the years. So、uh, most of her books are like gathered, like short stories, like the stories of Sahara、okay. into one book. But then they're organized by a theme. For example, her life in Sahara, her life in Spain,、uh, her life in China, and stuff like、right. that. And then they each have very poetic name, like Gentle Night,、uh, Crying Camel, you know, like Weeping Camel, and all that.、Hmm. Yeah, I mean the 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 stories are, I mean, it's hard to like because some of them are funny, some of them are serious, but they they all have a very I don't know how to describe it. It's a very kind of simplistic 
way of writing without like over embellishing things and then she doesn't use those like what's the word like flamboyant yeah style words it's very muted yeah like very understated kind of writing that down to earth yeah it's just basically stating what is happening but in a very like understated way mm. but what is happening is always something really bizarre or unique. like unique even outlandish <laughs> i would say because she was living at the time in such a strange place strange yeah. as like new and uh unfamiliar place yeah so yeah i think i i don't know what people would feel at that time because today we have so many sources to travel around the world you can go to sahara if you want like tomorrow but then at that time, I feel like it's so unique and strange. And then, I don't know, people, I don't know what people would feel when they were reading it. But even, even, even now, like going to those places is still very unusual. Like most people don't, you have, you have handfuls of people who go from other places to places like North Africa or Sahara, but they're not going to like the desert region they might go to morocco or they're going to like tunisia or they're just going to the market (laughs) yeah or they're or they're they're going to like um oh i forget the one city but mali maybe or different areas of you know western or northern africa but not into the desert areas where i think that's where she was i think that's where like that's where they were like in the like in the actual desert like living basically living with and around the local people now i also have to wonder like what were the local people thinking you know like who is this couple who's living here you know they must have had their own views on jose and sun mao and they were living the same lifestyle right like yeah they were living in the same type of simple house and even they they were living the worst house. Yeah. It doesn't it didn't have a roof. They had to use this plastic, plastic. thing to cover the top. I thought that was just because the goat like fell through the roof. <laughs> That's like one t- because the goats I think belongs to the neighbor. Um and then the goats like to go onto the the, the roof, roof and then they fell down. I thought the goat fell through and then they had to put the plastic on. I think they didn't have a roof proper oh, roof before to okay. begin with. That makes sense. And the goat fell through the plastic. And then they were making friends with the neighbors because some was always at home. And then the neighbor would come to borrow things, quote unquote, yeah, like yeah. borrowing salt, borrowing shoes and don't return it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also mentioned some really weird customs in the local place, like girls getting married at 12. You know, do you remember that one? Uh, yeah, it's kind very of. bizarre. Or like the bath when she goes to the bath. Oh my god, they're they have to like what's the word like wash inside and out? Is that what you want, you're talking about? Where they had to wash themselves once a year and also go to the the beach to wash their inside. Like oh, basically, like oh yeah, <laughs> what is what is that called? Uh, um, an 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 anima. Anima. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. The, I mean. Is it even okay? Is it just like R-rated now? Saltwater enema. Well, we're not describing anything. Okay, okay. (laughs) But yeah, saltwater. And then Samo was like peeking while they're doing it because she was curious. (laughs) And then were people like chasing her after they found out? And then she yelling, she she is Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then there's a rumor in town. Everyone's talking about, oh, there's some strange Japanese tourists who are peeking at them when they're like doing that on the beach. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she's probably like, oh, yeah, good thing I'm not Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you would like to talk about this? Um, I don't think so. I guess if, if any of you, you know, listening get the opportunity, I highly recommend reading the English translation. Or if you can read the Chinese, then that would also be, be good. Yeah. I hope you guys also like the books like we did. Yeah. And that'll be all for today. Bye. Bye. Well, that will be all for today's discussion about Sun Mao. We hope you enjoyed it. Please leave a rating and review. Uh, you can subscribe. Probably not legit podcast. Bye. Bye. Hi, that is the end of our discussion. But I know it's the ending of our discussion. But there are so many things that we didn't cover in this discussion. I hope this episode could be an introduction to the people who has never heard of this writer before and who wants to take a peek at her wonderful and beautiful world. If you know Chinese, then you're so lucky because her books are not really difficult to read. She doesn't use very difficult words and all her stories are very, very good to read. I am currently reading The Gentle Knight, and even though I had read it before, it still gives me so much joy when I read it every single time. And I hope reading her story in the future for you guys could be a pleasant journey as it did to me. Thank you so much for listening, and Zachary and I will come back later for more interesting episodes for you. Bye!